How do locksmiths figure into the information technology world? Do we just put a storeroom lever on a server room door? Sometimes. Is considering physical security of digital information something you even think about? You should. Do locksmiths really need custom software or software at all? Some may think that this is the wave of the future. Today on the podcast by locksmiths and for locksmiths, we will enter the ether, not the either, Tim, and discuss information technology. This is the three tumblers. There are jobs where locksmiths are called out to replace or install fresh new hardware like levers, electric strikes, and other common items. Sometimes, though, that hardware is going on a door, securing computer networks, servers with private data, and Tyler's internet history. So why, or is it important, for locksmiths to treat these jobs any differently? Well, something something that I learned in high school when I was taking Cisco networking classes is that everybody learns how to access equipment, reset passwords, everybody learns the same stuff. If they can't physically get to your gear, it's going to be a lot harder. So server rooms and things like that, A, they need to be locked because there's a lot of places where they're not. B, they should probably not be on a master key or an engineering key. They should probably have some kind of access control so you can monitor when they're being entered into, you know, prop alarms, door contacts, things like that and monitoring who goes in there. A lot of older buildings, the phone room, janitor's closet, all this stuff is in one place and you have people going in and out of there all day. And that's more chances for somebody to either disrupt something uh, inadvertently, somebody to walk by and get curious, someone to not lock the door. You know, So if you're storing your vacuum cleaners in the server room, and the cleaning people are going in and out of that all the time, that's a risk that they could accidentally leave it open or unplug something to plug the vacuum cleaner in or do, or who knows what could happen. So that's important, you know, thinking about how you want that segmented and controlling, you know, vendors and other companies in there because you have a lot of common stuff in office buildings and, you know, something as simple as just logging on a list who's been in the room, because if something goes wrong, you'd kind of like to know who the last company or who the last technician was there uh, when somebody's internet stopped working magically after they were there. And then the second part is coordinating with IT people. As you guys know, I was an IT person for six years before doing locksmithing. And most IT people are, are rather guarded. They don't want security people or anybody you know, just plugging right into their network. You know, typically they'll give you specific ports, specific IP addresses to use for your uh, for your panels. Sometimes it could be on its own complete system. I've seen things like that. Um, a lot of a lot more of it now for multiple buildings is going on wireless bridges, so it's their own. So that is more segmented, and you know, something as simple as having it on its own VLAN which is a virtual local area network where it's in its own little island. If it doesn't need to actually touch the internet, if it's just so that you can access it from your desk in the same building, you know, you're not using it from home, things like that. Um, Even if you're just going to be making a mess in the office, there's people, you know, that 
you know, they don't want their equipment to get disturbed. So if you're doing work somewhere and you cause a mess and I don't, it's near an IT room or, or something like that, you certainly don't want to be cutting and make a big mess and you could set off sprinklers or who knows, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that couldn't go wrong. And then as far as actual work on site, um, I'm going to mention the Security Today podcast done by Uncle Bear. He's really cool. And he was talking, listening to one of his podcasts today about site surveys and access control and, you know, pretty much looking at everything like, uh, you know, something as simple as how high the ceilings are, you know, access for lifts, material. You know, if you're going to be doing a big install, you need to know how you're going to get stuff in there. How is it? You know, is it a plenum space or not? Is it going to be inspected permits? You know, do we need an electrician to come in and, and install power? You know, and also, you know, the, another thing that I gleaned from him is, you know, the customer says, oh, you know, we want card access, but you're not really figuring out why, you know, what's the problem that they're charging, trying to solve, you know, versus somebody that they know has it and it's cool. You know, what are they really trying to fix? What's the pain point? You know, there's just so many different things out there. You know, I, I've worked in places where, you know, as the IT department, we were in charge of setting up all the card access and there was, you know, people, anytime somebody new started, we programmed the fobs and did all that stuff. Some of the things in those software programs are not very intuitive, like how scheduling works, where by default it's unlocked and you're actually setting it to lock. And so the times that you're, you know, it's reverse of what you think and, and things like that, where like scheduling and all that, it just, uh, it can be weird. So make sure that, you know, you're testing everything. Cause if you accidentally set it to lock, to unlock at uh, midnight and uh, somebody may walk in or something, you know, that could not be, not be very good. Tim, as somebody in the field, I'm sure you're interfacing with customers, personnel and, you know, the IT guy or the outside providers on, on different things. And, you know, what what is your, um, I guess, if you're going into a building and specking out a whole system, whether it's electronic or not, you know, are you guys taking IT rooms and things into consideration? Uh, are you making sure that, you know, they don't give everybody and their brother keys? You know, are you treating it like an HR office where it's on its own thing? And Tyler, the same way, because you do a lot of big buildings. You know, I, I'm curious how you guys handle that stuff. Well, when we go out to quote a job for access control, kind of like I've talked about before, we interview the customer. We say, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And our, our biggest, like, top-tier system that we sell, I'm not going to mention the name, it requires internet to operate. And so we have to know, you know, Hey, where's your server room? Where is your it closet? And if the quote doesn't involve rekeying anything, generally we don't ask about keys for that. If there are key overrides trims or devices that we're installing, we will ask, is there a building master? Do you want this keyed strictly to the master? Do you want it keyed to something completely different? Most of the time, if there is a master system, we'll key it to the building master. But I, I wanna go back to uh, your first point about IT and server room security. I did a job for a friend of mine. It was 
through my shop that I work for, but it was about a year ago. It was the first access control job that I quoted out and specced out myself, not completely by myself. I needed a lot of help. Anyway, they were establishing a network operations center, which from my non-IT background understanding is that's a secure facility or should be considered a secure facility for the level of work that they were doing. And that was the first time that I, and to this day, the only time that I've ever installed an asylum lever because they required badge in, badge out access from that operations center room. They did have emergency egress through an exterior door with an exit device, and we did a DTEX alarm on it that they wired up to their system. So I've, I've seen that. As far as coordinating with other people, we've done a, a number of jobs where Alarm companies or or nationally based companies have asked us to install the actual door control hardware because in North Carolina, legally, you're supposed to have a locksmith license when you install hardware that controls a door opening. So if you just have your, your alarm license, then that's not going to cover you installing an electric strike. Some of their system requirements that they had didn't work with what they were asking us to do. So we we did have to coordinate with them and say, hey, this is what the hardware will actually do. You have to kind of talk to everybody and you have to find out what their goals are and what they're working with. Absolutely. I I have nothing to add. This is so fucking out of my wheelhouse. I will say something that Tim said earlier about as far as keying server rooms. Our clients have gotten very, very diligent as far as not putting it on the master key system. They want something off the master key system. There's two ways you can do this. Number one, you can just keep the master key off of it. But number two, really the best way is to put it on an entirely different keyway so that maintenance, engineering, whatever, are not sticking their key in and twisting and turning and it's not working and then they break a key off and then you're going to call it 3 a.m. So the only thing I really have to add is, yeah, I'm seeing that server rooms off of master key systems are growing faster than HR uh, rooms are, which are another culprit or victim of not being on a master key system. So yeah. Hey, kudos to uh, network administrators. They're, they, they figured it out and they're uh, being diligent about their server rooms not having uh, or not being accessed by property management staff. Yeah, I mean, unless there's a compelling reason to to do that, if there's a utility problem or, you know, a power outage or air condition, you know, and we've had those issues with, you know, it's actually funny, we had trilogies on the IT room and then there was a storage room and I, the keys got left in the room and we had to have, this was long before I really knew any lock stuff. And uh, one of the kids from the shop climbed over the ceiling of the one room <laughs> and got the keys for me. Yeah, I, I have to tell you the story. I broke into a, 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 a ATM room one time like that in Atlanta that had a half million dollars in it. And it, it was simpler than that. But I'll tell that another day. Yeah. I mean, this, this was not nearly as exciting. Just a lot of servers. Okay. If that didn't get you wired up, maybe Tyler can get your electrons flowing. Next up, custom software and locksmiths.
Do you keep track of all of your sales and work on carbon paper forms? Maybe master charts are written out by hand and filed away in a folder. Or are you a front runner and have software customized to your needs? I kind of feel attacked by that. Yeah, I, we used to do everything by carbon paper. Uh, kind of multiple ways to tackle this. Number one, dispatch billing and customer info software. We were on a proprietary software system before. In the past, I've used ESC, which I guess is now Desco, but now we use QuickBooks to handle nearly all of that. Um, I've found that QuickBooks is pretty damn good. You know, you can handle paying your employees with uh, shit. I forget what they call it, but yeah, QuickBooks is is, is payroll. Yeah, yes, yes, online payroll. Thank you. Uh, that's very damn good. Don't have to deal with a, an ADP or an outsourced software, but QuickBooks is pretty good. Jeff, I know, well, maybe you do deal with the software, but do you use anything like ESC, Desco, QuickBooks? You no, know that we use ESC. Yeah, we okay. Use, yeah, so we use ESC for dispatching and all that, um, and we use QuickBooks for all the invoicing and stuff, and then it ties it together on the server uh, so that, like, balances show up in ESC and stuff like that. ESC is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, and we will. We have not gone to the cloud, which is what they want. You know, we just when we got our new computers, we upgraded our ESC. The new pro, the new hotness. It's all the same company, but it's called Field Edge. ESC is the older product, so that's you know how we do all the scheduling and and two of the technicians have the mobile client so that they can actually do a little bit more on their phone. But pretty much, we just email the dispatch most of the time. A couple of the guys print them out and make notes. Now, before we got started, Tim and I were talking. Tim, you used to use Field Edge, and what is now the product that you use? Yeah, we we used to use Field Edge, but now we use Service Fusion. Uh, that was when when my boss Jason was looking for a replacement for Field Edge. Uh, that was one of the few services out there that kind of catered towards what we do and how we do it. Field Edge, I, I liked Field Edge. I, I really did. But from a business standpoint, uh, from what I understand, from what we were told, it just stopped making sense uh, because everybody had mobile login information, which three out of four employees total had mobile logins. Uh, but then they also charged for desktop logins and you couldn't be logged in to mobile and desktop at the same time. Uh, Service Fusion lets you log in not only between your mobile app, but mobile app on multiple devices and also mobile app, multiple devices and multiple computers. So you can get in a lot of different ways. And it does a lot of things that Field Edge does uh, i've not used field edge in since about august i think is when we finally started phasing out or got through what we had set up in field edge to transfer to service diffusion anyway uh i've not used it in a while but the biggest complaint that i have about service fusion is they do not support uh card readers in the field to take mobile payment you have to manually enter 
credit card information. Yeah, I mean, that's how we do it. Or, well, we do it when we get back to the shop. Gentlemen, I'm going to scrutinize the shit out of you because this is my wheelhouse. Jeff, what Master King software do you guys use? Well, you have the boss's brain and paper files, and we have HPC Master King. Some stuff is in both. Some is really old, and it's literally on archival, you know, Elder Scrolls type of papers that, you know, you have three copies of because you don't want to mess up the original one. But pretty much everything new, unless there's something weird, you know, like Master King doesn't have uh, something to put in selective keys. You know, you just have to write it in as a note. But for the most part, everything new that we do is in Master King. Handsome Tim? Uh, for Master King, we use Master King for any new charts that we generate and to maintain charts that were generated under that. I will note that we do have a lot of paper records because through the years, the company has bought out other businesses that established master charts for other people, specifically Medico systems. And that can get really, really confusing. We have one customer of ours that was inherited through a buyout and their Medico file is probably seven hanging folders thick and it's all different with different notations. That's kind of a pain in the ass. That's nothing compared to what Tyler has. That's nothing compared to what I've been going to because apparently Medico still stores their master key software that way anyways speaking of master king software we've got our own it's uh it's custom made it was coded in 1978 and it, it was written in c uh which will lead to the next point in a bit but believe it or not with just a few minor tweaks it has served us well up until this point obviously we can't do stuff like miwa where you've got positive or north and south positions we can't do multi-lock where you've got pin and pin and all of that but medico by and large has not changed the master king rules since biaxial came out because m3 was just adding a slider and now m4 you're adding finger pins which basically function just like a slider so it's maintained this very well since then and that leads me to the next point not a lot of people write and code and see anymore, and especially almost 40 years later, the person that originally wrote this is getting up there in years, so we've kind of had to future-proof, and now we're starting to worry, well, it's going to be so cost-prohibitive, and it's going to take so long for somebody to get acquiesced with it, we're paying somebody right now to redevelop our software, and I guess we could turn and sell it for a, a an amazing profit because I'm gonna be honest, I know a lot more than the people that sell these softwares, but that's besides the point. Uh, it's so nuanced. Tim's favorite word. Love, yes. Yeah. Nuance and acquiesce are your favorite words. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Agreed. It it's gotten so hyper detailed that nobody could possibly do it. I. Jeff, you mentioned earlier about selectives having to handwrite it. We've got that built into the software and have for 40-something years now. And, I again, I could turn around and sell it for profit, but I really don't want to. 
have either of you, Jeff, I'll start with you. Have you ever heard of or talked to anyone that did something this batshit insane as far as commissioning and developing a custom software for a business? Doesn't have to be locksmithing, just in general. No, I mean, pretty much everybody takes an ERP system off the shelf and makes it work, you know, for their own business. And, you know, there's different, like where I work, they had it integrated with Salesforce and it was sort of cludged together. It wasn't built from scratch because that's, you know, if one person goes, gets hit by a bus or whatever, (laughs) or you fire them. So, no, I mean, writing your own thing from scratch, I, I haven't heard too much of that unless, again, it's going back, you know, as long as yours has been in, uh, I mean, for God's sakes, the server room says data processing on it. So, you know, your stuff, your place is a little old school. But you also have so many cabinets full of records and how you keep track of everything is pretty amazing. Tim, you ever heard of that? I have heard of it. Uh, One of our largest competitors actually commissioned their own software that handles, uh, I, I don't know if it handles master charts specifically but it does handle all documentation of all openings hardware service requests anything to do with the opening and is it's really really fucking cool actually and my boss has approached the owner of that company before and said hey you know you should make back some of the money that you spent having that software developed and sell it as a a package to other locksmiths that hasn't come to fruition yet but and also uh it i believe it handles field payments so if you do residential customers you can receive your payments there i know with commercial accounts you don't really have to worry about that but in the field doing residential or if you do a new commercial account we'll either have them pay like a deposit if it's a very large job if it's kind of a a smaller job we tell them they have to pay with credit card at least the first time so having software that can track all that and be able to handle all that would be fucking phenomenal if somebody who had developed it would just sell it to the rest of us we'd buy it yeah i i well you and well, we all have discussed my foray into this for the past few months, but I'll go ahead and, and kind of lay out what we're doing to everybody listening. We've we found that doing bidding lists are far too cumbersome. We've got 32 individual Fire King shelves amongst what what times four uh, six cabinets. So well, more than that, but we found that it, it it's really eating up into our space over time, and we've had to go back and pull out old records and scan them in order to salvage space. So what we found or what we want to do going forward, number one, is to update the software to be something beyond C. I think we're looking at a PHP SQL base kind of solution going forward. But number two, we're getting away from the bidding list. We're going to go straight to uh, matrix systems where the entire system's on one page. It's a it's a bitch to deal with and, and read, yes, but it saves on space. And after you do enough matrix matrices over time, it gets really quick. Fellas, Jeff, Tim. I think, I think it's so nuanced that you have to acquiesce at this point. 
Well, hey, you'd be surprised how much you can accumulate over 54 years. Tim, any final points? I, I would like to say that in the past, I won't go into much detail, but in the past, I did take an open source software for dispatching and unit tracking. It took the open source software and customized it for this situation. And that was a pain in the ass. I had to learn a lot about PHP, SQL Server, everything else that goes along with that. It can be done. It takes a lot of work. But if you do have a custom software, you should definitely make sure that somebody can run it because for that particular system, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, they're pretty much up shit's creek. So make sure somebody else, like you said, Tyler, make sure it's future-proofed. That has been the main driving factor behind this. Well, while you may think that new wave music was a fad back in the 80s, Tim might make you believe it's the future of our trade. Or he just talks about cats again. When I first started as a logsmith, I knew there were some products on the market that used computer software to operate. But honestly, I thought they were only serviced by very elite logsmiths. Little did I know that the demand for electronic logs was so high in both commercial and residential markets. Learning about these products as they continue to come out is vital to me and my role in the shop that I work at. But are these trends the wave of the future? You know, brand new locksmiths may not have a clue as to how involved electronic and information technology, uh, how everything comes into play with the door. If when I was recently in the hospital, I had to walk from the exam room over to radiology and the technician simply held her badge up to a reader and it opened the doors across the hallway. Did you know that locksmiths can actually do that? It's pretty cool we can do that shit. And I think that when you're first getting into it, you might think that locksmithing is all about picking locks and, and reeking cylinders and cutting keys on a on a HPC blitz, but it's not. This can, it, it might be, you might be able just to stick with that, but all of this is there and you can get into it tyler i know that you've done access control in the past but what would you say as far as a new locksmith and and learning these technologies and hardware that's available uh, it's probably the best decision to make yeah i i wouldn't hold it like some do that oh it's around the corner and you're going to be replaced if you don't know it not anytime soon but it would certainly behoove you to start learning and preparing, especially as your business grows or they expand their opportunities, that you would begin to familiarize yourself with it and get very adept with it. Can't go wrong there. And then, you know, who knows what happens after that? Business goes out, they shit can you, but at least you got that experience. Well, just said, I agree. Absolutely. You know, there's lots of other things you can do to boost 
start selling other things, you know, for your business. We do some burglar alarm stuff. It's not a big part of our business. You know, we, we do a lot of security cameras and card access, you know, but it all ties together the electronic and the mechanical um, and being able to take care of all those systems for people. I think that's what it boils down to. They only have to call one company and we can do all their electronic security. Right. And, and we kind of, try to do the same thing we don't do burglar alarm systems uh we we do one but it is a kind of a diy thing like uh ring doorbell but yeah as far as integrating everything together we have to do that uh so every every trade show that i go to there is some new electronic lock out there like just recently at the ncla there was a lock that I've seen uh, from Asa Abloy, and it's a wireless electric strike with built-in reader. And I, I saw it back at the Banner Show last year, uh, and I want to hear feedback from any of our listeners who have used those. But this year, we saw at the NCLA show a storefront door trim version of that which is pretty cool because it was integrated with the Adams Wright Steelhawk and had the reader and it was very, very slick looking. And I, I, again, I want to hear back from anybody who has used one of those, who has installed one of those, but, you know, I think that the, the big point here is to keep abreast of all of the new products and know what's out there even if you don't always install it you know what's available out there and so maybe if you're the locksmith who only installs trilogy trilogy keypad locks then maybe you can see something like that and say hey i might want to try that jeff i mean what do you think about keeping up with new products that are out there you kind of kind of mentioned that just a second ago but yeah i mean I always try to know what's out there and and that you can uh suggest either to the people that you work for to the customers some of both you know I, generally i would wait till things are proven and tested before you just start throwing them out there um but for the most part it's always good you cannot you can't have too much knowledge you know you got it's always good to know what's going on tyler what about you as as far as staying up to date on new products that are out there especially as it relates to stuff that's connected to the internets and webs i'm just waiting for us Abloy to get their shit together with click mainly when that happens then i'll get abreast with it like you said Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I knew we would work that in here somehow. Somehow, he said he said a breast, and then he said slick, and I always, I just wanted to jump in and say slicker than come on a gold tooth. Edit pen here and edit pen here. I'll make it sound good. No, I would I would keep it in. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I thought that was like another discussion we've got lined up. Well, we got to teach you. No. I'm not interested in learning that, just like automotive. So, guys, I, I want to know, do you all think that we're kind of at the height of all this electronic hardware? Or do you think it'll just, you know, it, it'll just increase? And 
eventually everything will become all electronic. Jeff, what what do you think as far as like what you see in the shop, residential, commercial, everything? Will we go more and more electronic based on customer demand? Uh, I don't think so. I think there's still going to be there's still issues. Things go wrong, uh, and you need to have mechanical backups. Keys are not going away. Tyler, what about you? I mean, there's we've got the Medico XT. We have Cyberlock, Schlagen Code for residential. And we've got Bluetooth enabled safe locks. Do you think that somebody's going to want to be able to use their their iPhone to get in their door, their business, and their safe? Uh just their house. I think residential is gonna be the big winner for uh electronic stuff. But since IT network admins information security professionals are dictating the electronic policies or at least the it policies of it and they hate them rightfully so they're not going to allow it on their network and i I don't think that it'll ever well i won't say ever but i don't think anytime soon that it that's going to jump the jump the gap they don't they don't want un uh they don't want the access to their network and i don't blame them so the 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 big winner short term is going to be residential and I don't see commercial building on what they've already got right now. I mean, one of the biggest systems that we sell is Salto. And Salto relies, for the KS system, Salto relies on uh, cloud-based access. And we've sold a, a like 2.2 metric shit tons of Salto in the almost two years I've been there. I, I think that talking with customers who come to us looking for access control systems and residential customers who come to us looking for an electronic deadbolt on their house, what they think they have in mind might be shit, but they really want it. I try to talk customers out of Yale hardware all the time and Quickset hardware all the time. They're just, bullshit that i've seen but we we sell schlage and code we have never had any issues with those and we can't really keep them in stock so i i'm kind of gonna think that eventually people are gonna want to move forward with that to where you can use one credential i.e your phone or your smartwatch or whatever to access everything in your life not saying that's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea, but I think we will reach a point where that's what people really want. Yeah, well, when I say that I don't see access control or electronics or IT or whatever making inroads, what I mean by that is that currently with the market, what they call the cannibalization of the market, where the number of mechanical locks going out are not being outpaced or underpaced by those coming in and with access control, you know, it's basically zero sum game. So at this point, it's basically mechanical locks are appearing more than they're disappearing and access control electronic locks are appearing at the same rate. So, and I know that accounts for developing countries like India and China and stuff like that, but we're not seeing at least 
as the market says, we're not seeing electronic locks access control overtaking mechanical locks and they future and they forecast and all this other shit, but it's never happened. So will it happen? Can it happen? Absolutely. But as we see things right now, it's not meeting up to projections and there are just as many, if not more mechanical locks than ever before. Talk about some of the big jobs that you do where it's all still keys and you know, the, the, the naysayers of 20 years ago and reading all the old magazines, it, it, you would think that we wouldn't cut a key but once a week, you know, reading some of the old stuff. But that has not come to fruition and I don't think it will. I think we'll always have mechanical keys and mechanical cylinders, but I think that electronics and technology are going to be integrated with those a lot more especially systems like Click, if they ever get that worked out. I think other systems you know, that are similar to that, CyberLog, Medico XT, I think that those are going to come more and more in handy because just today, as of the day of this recording, I talked to three different customers who said they wanted to know who was using their key and when. So I think we're going to see more just for accountability purposes. All right. Well, by Tyler's math, this is the part of the show where Jeff comes back and asks us all about some spare parts, some things, maybes. By my math, 4 plus 2 equals potato. guys listening really don't know how hard it is to keep these two in line when we record this show i'm almost afraid to ask but let's hear some spare parts tim my spare part for this week is that uh i i i really don't have a spare part that's the first time in the history of the show because i came up with spare parts (laughs) i guess everything's going great and we're just gonna keep on working and Tyler. Uh, number one, I got on TV last night with the hockey game. That was fun. Number two, I think I've resolved a six-month dispute with Medico as of this recording because we had to stop it for me to take the phone call from Medico. Tyler, that's two spare parts. That's not allowed. Tough shit. Uh, mine is I'm working on a frozen 1948 Buick trunk handle at work. The thing, the, the, the plug and stuff moves. The key won't because what it actuates is frozen. So I've been soaking it and spraying it with various things. and I'm not sure if it's going to work or not. The code on the back, you know, there was sta- there was a code stamped on it. The tumblers appear to move, but of course it's a sidebar, so you can't pick it. So I don't know. We may have to tell the guy that we can't do it. Uh, so we'll see what happens. He needs <laughs> he needs to update to a, a 58 viewer. I don't, yeah. Well, this was another 45 minutes of your life you'll never, ever get back. If you have any words of praise or even hatred, please write them on the back of a $20 bill and email them to the address below or tag us on Twitter at the number three Tumblr's Pod. 
Our executive producer is Tyler J. Thomas. I'm your technical producer, Jeff Moss. Our writer and editor is Tim Coleman. Our contract negotiator is Evan Elpas. Ratings analyst is Rita Minweep. And our chief legal counsel is Hugh Lewis Dewey of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, otherwise known to the retinal scanners in the dollar store as Huey Louie Dewey. Heaven help us. My name is Jeff. We make keys. This has been a Three Tumblers production. Season 1, Episode 10. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Find this episode and others wherever you get your podcasts.